0: Hey, if you have a Bible, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in verses eight, 18 through 22. And we've been doing something just a little bit different um, through teaching, where basically, as we look at a passage of scripture to be more faithful to the text, more genuine in in how we're studying, basically in that text, in our subject, what I'll do is just see a sentence in there and and really just drive that home. So out of here, that sentence that we're really bringing together is is that becoming disciples means we're becoming learners that grow towards leading others. So if you're just kind of that overachiever like me and you like to fill in all the blanks right away or figure them out, there you go. Those are all of them. And you can just sit back and and read and and hear. So what I wanna do is just kind of give you kind of an overview of this year because this is our last Sunday in 2015. And then the next time we gather, it'll be 2016. And at the beginning of this year, um, we did a vision casting Sunday, the first Sunday in February. We were a little late to the game. So it happens when your son's born right as you get installed as a, as a lead pastor. Um, but I, I taught a message for us titled, We Can't Stay Here. And what I felt like God was really laying on my heart is that us as a church, we were called to not stay where we currently were, but but use that as a place honoring what has been established from leaders before me, from volunteers and all of those making that happen and that we would move towards building a new foundation. And so I'm just going to give you an overview of that. But those of you here who are just kind of new or you're just visiting, you get to be off the hook. You get to, this morning, this is the only time where it's okay for you to look at the person next to you who's a regular attendee and go, you listening? This is what your pastor's saying. And you get to be off the hook because what we're really doing this morning is talking about our responsibility as a church. And what I feel God is really laying on my heart, laid on uh, the hearts of our pastors throughout our network and and our focus in 2016 um, on discipleship. But earlier this year, we talked uh, on a vision casting Sunday, and I gave you that topic that we can't stay here. And I gave you three words there of, of areas where we can't stay here. And the first was spiritually, that I desired that we would grow together in our walk with Jesus, that we would grow in our knowledge of the word and our role and responsibility as a church, not leaning into culturally and not me getting up every Sunday and being like, you're not doing enough, do more, but where I would constantly communicate to you. Here's what God is calling us to. Here's our responsibility. And so I said, we can't stay here spiritually, that we needed to grow and, and, and go on from where we currently were. And then the second thing I told you is that we can't stay here structurally. And I told you that what that meant was it's great when a few people are doing a a few things, but a lot of people doing a lot of things means more investment, more involvement, and more leaders doing the work of the ministry. And so we got more people involved in different areas of ministry. And one of the things we also established was an advisory council. And in the beginning of the year, I established this council currently with uh, Frank Cook and Jeremiah Knutson. Bill Neims was with us when he was here before him and Mary uh, headed out to Montana and they were a part of that. And we've invited Jim Pittison to that. Um, and, and the whole reason behind that and me saying, listen, we can't stay here structurally was because I didn't wanna be a young pastor with all of the financial responsibility and the spiritual responsibility and saying, hey, just come follow me wherever I feel like going because that sounds stupid. So on that, I just really felt like the great responsibility was to gather, catch this right here, older men than me. Okay, not older men, so don't, don't get, I'm not trying to get in trouble, but older men than me who would help me in the sense of owning the work of the ministry, who would pray for this church. Monthly, we gather, we pray for you. We talk about what's going on in this church, how to guide you through your relationship with Jesus and, and through this, this uh, culture and so we constantly are praying and discussing how do we move forward so it's not me something that it's not me doing something on my own and then i asked you specifically if you were there and you remember i asked you a couple things one i told you men before you get into leading i want to see you lead your homes the greatest opportunity we have of modeling the gospel is in our homes and i i hammered that home continually because I don't want leaders who are pouring their life into the church and neglecting their family. That's pointless. So I desire to model that to you and caring for my family. And I desire for that for you to care for your family. I don't want you to die for the church. I want you to die for the gospel. That's what I want you to do. And so in that, I called you men with me to stand up, to be more faithful in our homes. I asked us all together to pray for the church to be faithful, to praying for the church, to financially support the church, which some of you young people have begun doing. And that was a little difficult, but you've done it faithfully. And then there, there were many people over these seasons that have gotten involved. And because he's gone and he, and he can't say anything, I can tell this story. Many, many of you might, have, you, you might have met the man with the beard who knits. When, when Shauna and I came here, We first stopped at Starbucks because we're coffee fanatics. Um, So before the service, we stopped at Starbucks and we saw this guy and I was just so intrigued because he was knitting, but he had like this epic manly beard. Um, And then I saw him get in his car and smoke cigars. So I wanted to be him when I was older and really enjoyed him and liked him as a person. But I didn't know him and I thought, man, I should have invited him to church. Um, But it's my first weekend. I don't know how that'll be. And then I showed up and, and he was there. And um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Earl. And and when Earl, when I first met Earl, he was a very timid man, struggled with a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And I remember sitting with him for lunch. He had rehearsed the whole conversation because of his social anxiety. He talked 90% of the time, which was awesome because then I don't have to. And, And we engaged and the rest is history. And, and if you don't know this, Earl leads several knitting groups at the Hometown Cafe. Anyone is welcome. Several of those people who before never went to our church or a church came to our Christmas Eve service. He, uh, he has done many things. He comes in on Tuesday mornings and he serves from early in the morning to late in the evening, things, supplies that we could buy. He's chosen that that's, that's his ownership of ministry. He cleans the toilets. He stuffs the program that you receive on a Sunday morning and he prays for you. And I am so grateful for all of these kinds of stories, all the ways where all of you just own the fact that we can't stay here, that God was calling us into deeper relationship with one another and, and deeper growth in relationship with him. And so I said, we can't stay here structurally, and I love that story of Earl, and I love the many stories of those of you who have just constantly grown and are owning the work of the ministry, and so thank you. Thank you for that. And the third thing that I said was, we can't stay here physically, because the biggest question I got asked before was, are you going to get us a building even, even those who are no longer here who asked before, are you going to get us a building? Because when you do set up teardown for 12 years, you get tired. And so we walked into to, uh, you all being, those of you who were here before us, it, very tired from that. And what I said, and, and I wanna just continue on this, is that I, I don't desire first to get us a building. Okay, so context, you know we're in a building. But I, I just said, I, I don't care first to get a building because I believe that when I die, Jesus is not gonna look at me and say, well done, good and faithful building finder. I didn't believe that was gonna be a fact, but, but that we were all together called to share the gospel and live the gospel. And through that being servants, that when, when we die, what, what we then would walk into is Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And so when I said, we can't stay here physically, there was an element of building there, but there was more an element of physically in the sense that we needed to go out. We needed to be in community with one another and with our community around us. And I said that, that build, getting a building, yeah, would be great, but it's not the end goal. It's, it's not the main goal, but reaching this city by building community with the message of the gospel. That was the end goal. And, and then God has done some incredible things this year, and he's put us in a building. I mean, a building where, if, if you don't know this, uh, outreach is, is something always difficult for a church to figure out, especially in this culture. And, and for us, it's always the question of how do we get outside the walls? One of the terminologies we use for outreach in CTK is arrows out. And, and the thing that I was sharing with our, our lead pastor over CTK, Dave Browning, was it's intriguing to me that, that this is not the only way we do outreach, but one of the opportunities we have to do outreach here in Cedar Woolly is just by unlocking the doors. If uh, you didn't know, Halloween, we served over 500 people candy and hot cocoa and popcorn. And then Christmas at the tree lighting, we had an opportunity to see over 700 people come through our doors and, and just be in this space for warm, hot cocoa and uh, all of this opportunity that we've had that God has just put us right in the middle of. That, that what we prayed for was that we would be faithful to build community and he's put us in that. And so it's been an incredible year. I don't know if you've reflected on that, but I've just reflected on that this week. Today, actually, if you didn't know, today marks one year that I've been your lead pastor, which is an incredible gift, and I have loved that. And and in that year, we've covered a lot of ground in the Bible. We've covered some serious ground. In the new year, just to give you a little overview, because I geek out on this, in uh, the first three weeks, in the new year, we opened up with a series called The New Life, and we talked through Romans 12, just expository through that passage. Then we talked about living on mission. We, we looked at our CTK mission statement, understanding that it was under the submission of Scripture, that our CTK mission statement only makes sense and living on mission only makes sense if it's drawn from scripture. And then we did a series called, I Love My Church, which sound dorky and weird. And, and over the two weeks that we did that, we talked about what is our role and our responsibility as the church? What is the church and what does the church do? And then over the summer, we did a five-week series in First John where, where uh, several of the men, even in this room, got up and, and shared the passage that I would teach. And we did an overview of love one another. And, and we just talked week after week, how do we love one another well? How do we more pursue Christ, our advocate? And then towards the end of this year, we spent 13 weeks in the book of James, which is intense, And then in the new year, we're going to continue on that. We're going to tackle even more scripture, more faithfully. We're going to do about 13 weeks through the book of Ephesians, about eight or nine weeks through the book of Titus. We're going to talk on prayer and identity and discipleship. And then it's just incredible being in this space. And and, and I think with the right perspective, as long as we keep this sentence at the forefront of our mind, remember this piece, church. The only good a building does for the church, that the people of God, is providing a place for us to put our stuff so that we can go do the work of the ministry in people's lives. So God has blessed us incredibly that that this was not the end goal. In fact, putting our stuff down was such a relief, and and we've gone more into reaching people. And so God has blessed us and God has done so much work where we've gotten to build community and, and be growing together and learning together. But there's an element where I feel we're, we're not there yet. Kind of missing, not because we've been ignorant, but because we've been preparing. And what God's really laid on my heart is, is discipleship. And, and I feel like in some ways we, we got here and we got excited about what God was doing, but we almost have no idea how to jump into the work. I mean, most of my phone calls with the city, I mean, just mind you, with the city, okay? Some of the hardest people I've ever dealt with in ministry is city workers, no offense. But in conversation with them, I have heard things, we're glad you're here. We're excited for what you're doing in the community we, there aren't ways where we work against this city. And that's incredible, an incredible opportunity that we get to be right on the front street. But I feel like there's something that we're called to step into that we don't quite know how to step into. Some of us, I think, have no interest, but I think that the bulk of us have no idea. And that's discipleship. And so it's kind of like we're, we're in the boat, but we don't know how to go fishing. You tracking with me? So we, we have this idea of, and this excitement, but we don't know what to do with it. And so God's really been laying on my heart the, the call and the responsibility that we as a church have to make disciples. But let me tell you this, we can only go and make disciples if we first choose to become them ourselves. And so that question we need to ask, what's a disciple? What is a disciple? And so we're gonna read... If I can catch that, we're going to read Matthew chapter four, starting in verse 18. I told you I have a lot of energy trying to (laughs) try to keep it contained. But starting in verse 18 of Matthew chapter four, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. really answering that question of discipleship, really for us, the first thing that we're really looking at before we talk about being disciples that make disciples, we first have to acknowledge that we need to become disciples. And that word disciple literally means a learner. It really means someone who's reflecting that that person that's teaching them. And according to Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament words, it says, one who follows another's teaching. But a disciple is is not only a learner, someone who's following, but he also is an adherent. And this is why disciples were spoken of as imitators of their teachers. Because when Jesus said, follow me in Matthew 4, 19, that we just read, it meant more than just physically going after him. Because someone committed to becoming a disciple is someone who makes their whole life intentionally about Jesus, and so just what we find in scripture about being disciples, we, we see that we we have to give up everything to be disciples. I mean, full disclosure. It means dying to ourself, dying to our own ways, laying it down to pursue his. It, it means loving him in such a way that it makes other relationships seem like hate. And and really, it at any point in our relationship with Jesus, it's possible at any time that he could ask us to sell everything and go where he's calling. But I think the hard part for us that we really need to embrace right here, if we're gonna talk about discipleship, is we don't wanna believe that. We are afraid of what that might mean for our lives. We think of the relationships we have, we think of the possessions, we think of the comfort, especially those of us who, who long for comfort and security. This is where we need to pause, church. This is where we, need to chill, where we need to pause because this is where we tend to start redefining and re-explaining what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and if we do that, then we're really giving into this dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and take him completely out of context and just kind of make him this fun American Jesus that just kind of hangs out with us. But Jesus is not looking for followers who just identify with him and memorize what he says. That's just an empty religious version of Simon Says. And and I've shared with you the illustration of this before, where it's like asking your kid to clean their room. And if you said, go clean your room, and and they go away for a while and they come back to you and and they come back and they said, hey, I, I memorized what you said. I memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. And you're just infuriated, right? And you're, you're going, no, 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 go clean your room. And, and then after a while, they come back and they said, hey, I studied that and I learned to say it in the Greek, how to say go clean your room. And, and, and then you, you send it back and you say, no, you're not getting it. I just want you to go clean the, 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 the room, go and so they go back for a while, they come back and then they explain to you, listen, I'm gonna invite some of my friends over and we're gonna gather in a circle. I found this book about how to clean your room. And so we're gonna gather and we're gonna study this book once a week about how to clean my room. Would you just feel infuriated as a parent? See, this is what, this is what happens when we just try to add Jesus to our life. Jesus says, go make disciples. And we, says, let, we say, let me memorize it, let me define it let me learn new terminologies of it, new methodologies, new philosophies of all of this, but we don't go do it. And so Jesus wants followers who understand what this takes, what this means. He he wants followers who understand there is no forgiveness without repentance. There's no salvation without surrender. There's no life without our death and there's no belief without following. And so for us, this really means a radical obedience to Christ. And let me tell you, church, it's not easy because it's completely countercultural. It's not comfort, it's not health or, or financial wealth, it's not prosperity in the world. I mean, Christ being radically obedient to Christ means it will cost you everything. It means that it will risk you losing everything. But in the end, all of this risk finds comfort. In Christ. And so for us, it isn't this thing that just automatically clicks in our mind, but it's really in the process of becoming learners. And so becoming disciples means we are becoming learners, that it doesn't just happen overnight, but over time. And the thing that I love about Jesus, that I think we can all say in in growing and, and learning about Jesus and being in relationship with Him, is that He walks with us through our transformation. He walks with us us through it. In, In our following, it's a process of growing in him and growing towards him. And this was really different in Jesus's day when he began his ministry because what the Pharisees were saying to those who would follow and be their disciples, the Pharisees and the religious leaders would say, change who you are and then you can come join us. If you change all of these things and you look better and you sound better and you, you come across more religious, then you can join us. But Jesus came up to his disciples, mind you fishermen, tax collectors, the lowest of the low, not the best of the best. And he said, follow me and you will change. Follow me and you will change. And so for us to be disciples means we are those who are devoted to Christ, that that we're growing in Christ. This is someone who sees Christ's plan and his rule in in their life greater than their own. So a disciple is, is even different than how culture would call a Christian. And did you know that the term Christian is only mentioned three times in the Bible? It's only mentioned three times. And, and that translation really means little Christ because when the outsiders would see Christians, they would see these people acting like Jesus. But, but yet that was just a term of identifying with, and it was actually a derogatory term. Like, oh, that's the one who identifies like Jesus, kind of like saying those are the nerds or the geeks. But if you were to see someone and go, no, they follow Jesus, that was a disciple. So a Christian was one who identified with Christ, but a disciple was one who was devoted to Christ. And so all throughout where Paul talks about those who were cheaply imitating and not really following Christ, they may have had the appearance of being a Christian, but they weren't devoted to Christ. They were not a disciple because a disciple is someone who looks at every situation, every confrontation, every relationship, every opportunity and looks to Jesus in the midst of that and says, how would you handle this? And whatever the answer, whatever the cost, whatever the risk, would say, that's how I'll handle that. That's how I will handle it. And so becoming learners of Jesus means that before we go out, we're really going in to his presence. I mean, remember last weekend I shared with you, we will never know how to love God and love others if our lives are not first lived in the presence of God. We will have no idea, no understanding, no context of how to love God and love others if our lives are not first lived in his presence. Because when our lives are centered around being in his presence, then everything else flows from that. Everything else, everything becomes influenced by God and influenced by who he is. And so how we see culture, how we approach our time and our attention and, and how we prioritize our lives, the choices we make, the plans we make, our relationships, our identity, our sexuality. And, and, and a, a big one here is, is how we view and approach doctrine and theology. Because this is a big one where a disciple of Jesus views themselves as submitted beneath the word of God. He, hear, that, hear that posture not above, not beside, but beneath. Submitted to, not living by their own definition of scripture, but by saying, I will submit to your word, and from that, that will influence my theology, that will influence my living. And so disciples of Jesus aren't focused or, or fixated on their own method. How can I become this great quotable theologian, but, but how can I more faithfully reflect Jesus? Becoming a learner is not about us learning to be Jesus. It's about learning to be like Jesus. And, and as we learn to become learners, that, that the important thing is then that we grow towards leading others. In one of the most popular passages in the Bible about discipleship called the Great Commission, Jesus sends his disciples out into the world to go make disciples. And he tells them this in Matthew eighteen or 28, verse 18 through 19. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what I love about this is the fact that we're called to go is not because Jesus couldn't do it but because he resolved the biggest issue by reconciling us to the Father, that he then made it our responsibility to go and be image bearers of him, to reflect him and go and make disciples who would also go. So we're invited to go, not, not by our own merit, not by our own strength, but by his authority. And so I love that because Jesus doesn't say, listen, because I have all authority, I want you to just sit back and rest in the fact that I've got it all. Just you sit back and drink your Mai Tai and just relax. He doesn't say that. He says, I have all authority. So I'm sending you to go, to go and and to make. And when Jesus first started his ministry, he chose 12 men, 12 disciples to join him in his work, to get off the sideline and into the work. But Jesus didn't call disciples to just identify with him, but rather to move into a relationship with him by following him, by reflecting everything he did because becoming disciples can only take place if we move. Becoming disciples can only take place if we move. You can call yourself a disciple till you're blue in the face, but but show me, show me that you're a disciple. So it can only take place. We can only become disciples if we move. And this church is what I believe God is calling us to. To move into intentional relationship as disciples with those that need discipling. To move into intentional relationships. And the, verse that, the, the passage that I've really been reflecting on is Titus 2. In those first six verses. And Titus was a man who was sent by Paul to really establish the church, to build them up, to to teach them how to be the church. And he gave gave Titus instructions. Here's how discipleship should be structured in the church. Starting in verse one, he says, "'But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. "'Older men are to be sober-minded, "'dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, "'in love and in steadfastness.'" Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to much wine. There it is in the Bible. There you go. (laughs) They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be not reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Church, discipleship is all about being in intentional relationship that points to Jesus. And here's the scary truth. Here's the part where I'm gonna challenge you and hammer this home home for you to own this. If you are not willing to disciple those who need discipling, the, the world will. If we do not own this call, the world will. And I don't say that to to scare you, but for us to understand there is someone out there that will disciple in a different method. And so older men, where are you in the young men's lives? Are you stepping into an intentional relationship? Not with everyone, don't try to reach everyone, but are you intentionally sitting with a young man, teaching him to follow Jesus as you've learned to follow Jesus? Older women, where are you? in the young women's lives? Are you faithfully showing them what a Christ-centered marriage looks like? See, I think the issue for us is it's so easy to come in and be internal. It's so easy to think that, that we're in community. But let me, let me explain to you, one of, the, one of the words, not only community, but the other word that I have hammered home more than any other this year is intentional. Intentional. Because if you are not intentional about relationships, you're just going to assume that you have them. And so for us to step into discipleship relationships, intentional relationships that point to Jesus really means that we're gonna get out of our bubble, really means that we're gonna walk across the room but we're gonna meet with those who, who we may not know. And, and, and let me just tell you this, men and women who, who feel that, that urge now to, to disciple someone, it does not matter if you, if you have all the answers. I will tell you that, that, that as a young man, for those older than me who have spoken to my life, they don't know all the answers. That's the greatest gift they've communicated to me, but they care about my questions. Discipleship is not about you knowing everything about you figuring out all the methods, but it's about you stepping into intentional relationship that points to Jesus. It's the responsibility of us all. And so as we pursue this year and really talk a lot about discipleship, about becoming disciples that learn under the leadership of Jesus and grow towards leading others, I really want to ask you this question. Are you in an intentional discipleship relationship that points to Jesus. Not multiples, but some of you overdoers, I'd even challenge you to have one. Not five, not 12. Remember, st- stop trying to be Jesus. You're, you're called to be like Jesus. One, even just one. Are you in, in an intentional discipleship relationship that points towards Jesus. So, so someone that you are pointing towards Jesus, and someone pointing you towards Jesus. Last a couple of years ago, when uh, I was at Mount Vernon CTK um, before I I came out here, we did a series through a book called Radical, and and towards the end there was a big push on discipleship, and in that end our our church felt that desire to really communicate. Um, discipleship. And so we had these two cards. I think it was one orange, one blue, and there was information. And if you wanted to disciple someone, if you were willing to disciple someone, you would fill out that card. If you wanted to be discipled, you would fill out the other card. And we compiled all of the cards. And of course, I was like the, the grunt just coming back on staff. So all of that got pushed into my corner and I was the one to follow up. And so I made hundreds of phone calls, many emails and, and tried to follow up with people and connect those who would disciple someone to those who wanted to be discipled. And I remember phone call after phone call feeling so discouraged. I mean, like that was probably one of the moments where I felt like divorcing the church, where the church finally realized like, there was too much of that cost. And I'm not dogging on Mount Vernon because we all have that issue. So don't think this is, this is dogging on one of our locations, but it's the reality that we do not count the cost. We don't fully know what is, what is asked of us. And so church, this year, I'm really asking that you would pray, count the cost. Ask yourself, am I in in an intentional discipleship relationship? that points to Jesus. Let's pray.